0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the day, it's town Packers Podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at all packers, and I'm joined by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.leapers, and oh my goodness gracious, Braun. What are we doing here? I thought this would be the I thought this would be one of our best podcasts of our careers, but we are sitting here after the Packers lose on Sunday night football in a win and in basically a playoff game at Lambeau Field. They lose twenty to sixteen. Wow, Bron, I don't mean, we're recording this right after the game, like we have been, and the emotions are high, I am very sad, Bron, how are you, buddy?
1: There is, is it's so hard to put this into words, Griff, but there's just nothing worse than this, as a football fan, as somebody who loves this game, as somebody who has a lot of high hopes for the team every year, there is nothing worse than this feeling that, has happened for so many consecutive years in a row now. Uh, it's just tough to swallow and, uh, you just never get used to it. I, at least I don't, you know, it's just, it really is tough. Even just coming on here and trying to talk about it is tough, uh, cause it is so raw. Um, but it's just a lot of pain, so many uncertainties. And that's, you know, even though I feel like things like Aaron, I think Aaron's coming back. I really do especially after some of the things he said in his press conference, you know it's just but it, even the slim possibility of him not being back is painful. And some of these other things you just start they start to pile up and for another consecutive year where we just have all the hope and all the excitement and in a different way, uh, this one being a wild card situation where we're trying to come as the underdog and play our way getting hot at the right time and to have it all break down in the last leg of this, Uh, of this stretch of games that we were trying to win and get in here it's just so painful and that just seems to be a common theme with the way that we've been going the last decade plus and it's just really tough to swallow
0: we've got a lot to get into on this show it's going to be a good show i think Uh, it's going to be a nice little therapy session like we've done the past 18 billion years running this show um, it, these seasons always end in heartbreak and it seems like we're destined to always have our hearts broken at the end of these Packers seasons. But three years in a row, the season has ended at Lambeau Field. I mean, that just sucks. I mean, we, all three of these games, you know, the Bucks game in 2020, uh, the 49ers game last year, the Lions game tonight, we're talking about how it's a dome team in the Lions. It's two warm weather teams in the Bucks and 49ers coming into Lambeau Field where it's cold in January. No one wants to be here. We're less cold than you are. And it, the, the offense just sucks, and the defense can't close it out when we need them to, and the Lambeau Field, the the cathedral of football that it is, Lambeau Field, it just it doesn't have that aura anymore, because we we've seen teams now come in here and end our season three years in a row now, which really sucks. But uh, we've got a lot to get into. We're going to talk about. Griff, we've lost.
1: I got to interrupt you, Griff. We've just lost our old school feel. We are. This is not. This is not the Green Bay Packers anymore, and we've lost it somehow, through not through Aaron, but through a lot of guys. These young guys. We we've lost some of our best cold weather performers. Devontae is gone. Charles Woodson is gone. Clay Matthews is gone. These guys thrived, And, and this is not. You know, we are just a young team, with a group of guys that are from California and we you know and just a lot of just guys that don't know what it's like and haven't gotten accustomed to it and, and like even Aaron Jones for example I hate to you know bring this up right out of the gate but he just seems to fumble in our biggest games right and a lot of these he's got limbo a field.
0: sneaky fumble problem Aaron Jones It's
1: a bad thing dude and look we're driving on at that point in the game we're driving trying to score go up two scores at that point and we fumble the ball I mean, this is a common occurrence for him now, and we're sitting here again looking back on a, on a massive loss, a practically a playoff loss, and Aaron Jones had a turnover, and it's just like these guys just aren't built for this weather. I don't know what it is. We have to find that because that's supposed to be part of our identity as a football team, as, a, as an organization. It's part of the allure of being a Green Bay Packer, but we have lost that entirely. And as much as I try to hope and think that it's going to impact us in a positive way, it continues to not. Even though we saw Jared Goff struggle a little bit at times throughout the game trying to get a grip on the ball, he's wearing gloves, things like that. But it's just we don't take it with our advantage, and we just don't have the personnel anymore, the big bodies, the guys who will fight through the cold, and it's just we don't have it. We just don't have enough talent and, and guys that are, are going to thrive off that anymore. It's, just, it's not the same Green Bay Packers group that it once was with – with guys like Brett and others that just brought that and instilled that
0: yeah and Aaron used to be the quarterback who he was like the old bear up north you know he we went through those stretches in 2012 13 14 15 where he went forever without throwing an interception at Lambeau Field this is his town this is his stadium he's the old bear up north that no one wants to go up there and play and I don't it feels like we'd lost that too with Rodgers but um, so much to get into with this game if we're going to focus on the on-the-field um, product. We're going to talk about Rodgers and you know his annual uh, game that he plays with everybody of whether he's going to retire or not. We both think he's not going to retire. We're going to get into why we think that. But to start with the football game that was played tonight, God, the Packers, they win four in a row. They get everyone's hopes up. We think that they're getting hot at the right time. No one wants to play this team in the playoffs. And I feel like tonight... A big part of it was they lost the underdog mentality. ...that they have had these past four weeks. Against the Bears, you know, they we're 4-8. No one thinks we're going to win that game. Um, against the Rams, people did think we were going to win that game. We were favored by 7 in that game, I think. But still, no one took this team seriously as a playoff threat. Against Miami, we were ultimate underdogs. Against the Vikings, we were ultimate underdogs. And then it kind of... After the Vikings game, to me, it definitely felt like this. I can't imagine it didn't feel like this for the players as well. It felt like we had, won, we had made the playoffs with that win over the Vikings last week. You know... The Washington loses to Cleveland, and it's like, okay, we control our own destiny. We got one more. It's against the Lions. The Lions are eight and eight. They're bad. They're the Detroit Lions. Of course, they're bad. I feel like we lost some of the underdog mentality tonight.
1: Griff, I, I have to be honest with you. I really don't even buy into that much. It's just we just didn't execute well. Like I, I thought, the play calling was pretty bad. I thought the the game plan in itself just surprised me in in a bad way. Just pathetic effort, I think, and the coaching was pathetic. All of it was just some some of the most subpar stuff you could see in a must-win game. I mean, I don't I don't know where to even start, really. Honestly, it's just I have no idea where to even begin. Um, what, what what should we talk about here, Griff? Like, if you want well, to point something,
0: it, it, a lot of what we saw from this team in the middle of the year when. You know we were four and eight, all hope was lost. we lost five in a row. A lot of that came back tonight because I mean third down in red zone, I think is it because we finished the tonight five of fourteen on third and fourth down. The third down play calling was bad. the third down execution was terrible. We go for it on fourth and one at our own thirty two and what does Matt reach for deep down in his bag? Uh, it's an end around to Alan Lazard. Oh my, get get out of here, man! The worst get... player
1: on our offense this year, I think, probably <laughs> from a skill position. I, I I wish Griff. It's not funny because we treated him as an organization, as our number one receiver, and it's just he has been so so much of a letdown, so bad, and I I don't even know how to really describe it because yes, he makes a good block here and there, but then he will drop a wide open pass. He will fail to make a contested catch that's what we expect him to do on a consistent basis. He's blocked pretty terribly this year for the most part too. And just pathetic. I don't I, I can't see how they bring him back. But then you talk about Aaron Rodgers. If he really thinks that Lazard is this really great player, I mean and, and then we go and move on from him, which is the football thing to do, the correct way to go about this would be to let him walk. Because we need to get better at the receiver position for the eighteenth year in a row and having him on our football team holds us back, especially what he's going to command in free agency, and he'll get it from somewhere else. I, I do not—what a letdown, what a disappointment from him. And he had a massive drop today, and just a, a couple bad plays here and there. And yes, he makes, the, he makes the third down catch at times, but just the inconsistency is, is just too much from a guy who you're expecting to be number one because you can't rely on that guy. And when you're expecting him to be number one, you need reliability and consistency. And he brought everything but that this year. Just totally disappointing from him. Uh, did not live up to the n- number one wide receiver label that the front office put on him by paying him a whopping two million dollars or whatever he was, which was the highest paid salary of any receiver on our football team. So just no investment into the position this year. And Aaron Rodgers spoke about that a little bit after the game and in a roundabout way, but. Just That's the one thing, Griff. I'm going to sit here and talk about a lot of different things and bring up different points, but this is all fresh off the top of my head. I'm sitting here. Obviously, we just lost, so these things are are coming to my head, and I'm not going to be able to get everything, and there's going to be things that we missed that we probably won't get to discuss, but... As they come about here, there's a lot of a lot of reasons and a lot of things that went wrong that we want to get off our chest.
0: Yeah, I mean, Alan Zard is a guy that we've spoken very negatively about a lot of this season, and for good reason, because as a number one, as a down-in, down-out, every single play starter, he's not good enough. He's just not, and he frustrates me more so than just about any other player on this team, sadly. And... Now that the season is over, which it is, and that hurt me just to say, but now that the season is over, in hindsight, the wide receiver position was, I think, the biggest downfall of this team. You, you lose Devontae Adams, the best player you have on offense outside of Aaron Rodgers, and they, Rodgers pretty much said at his press conference tonight, we did nothing to replace him as a player. We had hope that there were guys like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, maybe Alan Zard can step up, we had hope that there were guys who could replace what Devontae brings, but ultimately, they did not, and this organization, (laughs) Sammy Watkins, forgot about that guy, uh, this organization did nothing to, uh, replace him, so I think that is, uh, the biggest reason that the 2020, the 2022 Packers disappointed a lot of folks this year, and Alan Lazard, he, he cannot go into next year as a starter, he just can't, I like him as a backup, I like him as a role player, I like him as a basic, basically a tight end, but, um, as a, (laughs) reliable number one wide receiver, which is what he was this year. He's clearly not good enough, in my opinion. Um where else do we move here, Braun? I mean the third down offense was terrible. The red zone offense continues let's to us talk about.
1: Be- let's talk about Matt LaFleur and, and the play calling today which from the beginning of the okay, game well
0: I I have to say at the end of the game That, it was, what was it, it was second and long because the Lions got knocked back by a holding penalty, this was on the final drive of the game, there's a second and long where it's a quick pass to Amon Ross St. Brown and Chris Barnes is there to tackle him for a loss and I'm all excited only for him to pitch it back to DeAndre Swift on a designed trick play and DeAndre Swift gets what, like 14 yards off of it setting up a third and short That is the type of play that a good play caller has in his back pocket. And I do think Matt LaFleur is a good play caller. But he just, uh, he doesn't have these go-to plays. He doesn't have anything in the back pocket. He doesn't have anything prepared for do-or-die situations like the final third down of the game tonight where Rodgers throws a pick on a 50-50 ball to Christian Watson. He doesn't have any. He never has. We don't run trick plays. We don't have any creative... uh, every, Every play we run is... A staple play of this offense. I, why does Matt LaFleur not have anything in the back pocket? Why do we not have anything ready? For these situations, uh, every time we're in the third and long, gotta have it situation, we just run a play. It's like there's we're not there's no there's no fear from the defense. Lions fans are not afraid of Matt Lafleur calling a really creative, well-designed play in that moment. Like we were from Ben Johnson and the Lions, we were afraid of what they were going to pull out of their back pocket. No one's afraid of that with Matt Lafleur because he doesn't have these these back pocket plays. Griff, I just I don't get it because we just had. A fantastic game
1: where I thought Matt Lafleur maybe had one of his greatest play calling games. In terms of just, it's tough because we don't have Devontae, and it's you know it's a different type of game plan than we've had in years past. But I still think that was one of his better games against the Vikings, where we dropped forty one points on them. It's I don't I don't know what happened. I mean, it was just a completely different uh, environment and a, a completely different feel to the game. Watching the variability and just the the uniqueness of some of the play calls against Minnesota was exciting and and things that we really hadn't seen all season. And then we go back to what we've been doing most of all year, especially during the losing streak, which is vanilla play action rollout, very lateral moving running plays, putting guys like Lazard in positions that you know he's not going to succeed The problem is we lack a lot of speed on this offense, but Matt LaFleur uses these guys like they're much faster and much more athletic than they really are. Putting Lazard in a situation where he receives a handoff on fourth and one, probably almost fourth and two, just such a stupid play call. And I'm not going to mince words here. Like, it's just ridiculous. I mean, what are you doing? Our season's on the line, and we're at the 30-something yard line trying to convert a fourth down, and you hand it off to our our tight end wide receiver one that can't catch a pass, Alan
0: Lazard. I mean, I, just, I, I couldn't on. believe that. Get I really could not believe that. that call. I couldn't believe it. I, you know that Anzalone is unblocked on the play by design, and you think Alan Lazard is going to break that tackle and get two yards on the play? Who in the right mind calls that play? I'm sick of the shotgun handoffs
1: to A.J. Dillon, who can't move the ball for his life. I, I'm just tired of the... I, the, play, the usage of Aaron Jones versus A.J. Dillon continues to puzzle me to no end. I'm just sick and tired of A.J. Dillon running up the middle, whether it's in in the gun or whether it's under center for two yards and he's he averages 3.4 yards per carry and everybody talks about him like he's this just difference maker but really in reality he is just not he has been so pathetic this year was one of his you know it was a low point for him and look we i say this every time we talk about him we interviewed him on this show we love aj Dillon the person but he has just been so lackluster it's just, it's pathetic. I, I don't know what to say. He dropped a wide open pass. He was, he made a horrible adjustment when Rodgers was rolling outside the pocket in the end zone on third and goal. Th- these are the things that you need to do. And we just, I can't, I don't care how old he is. He's been here, what, three years? It's just, you need to start to get it or you can't, right? And it's just like, I'm sick and tired of this. We need playmakers. AJ Dillon is not fast enough. He's not athletic enough to make these kind of plays that we were putting him in position to make every single game, and we do the same thing with Lazard, who's not talented enough and not athletic enough to make these plays that we ask him to make, and that's on the fault of Matt LaFleur, that's on the fault of Brian Gutekunst, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick and tired of it.
0: AJ Dillon is another guy who we talk too poorly about, but for good reason also, because he's just not... I'm so, I am love A.J. Dillon, the person, you know, we, every time we talk about A.J. Dillon, we have to say this. I love A.J. Dillon, the person. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. We've had him on the show. He's a great guy, right? And it makes sense why the Packers would draft him in the second round if they loved his personality. But it comes down to the fact that running backs are replaceable very easily. You can find a million A.J. Dillons in the seventh round of the draft every single year. It's He doesn't... I don't know why we finish this game with Aaron Jones having 12 carries and AJ Dillon having nine carries. Why does it have to be a 50-50 split between them? It, why? Why does it feel like we come into these games with the game plan being let's get the ball in AJ Dillon's hands? Why he doesn't break tackles? He doesn't force ta- He doesn't force miss tackles. He's got big legs. Yes. But he's not running through anybody. He, he goes down on first contact almost every single play. He doesn't... He gets what the offensive line will give him. AJ, Aaron Jones is the type of running back that this coaching staff thinks that A.J. Dillon is. Aaron Jones creates on his own. Aaron Jones will have a negative two-yard carry that he turns into an eight-yard carry somehow. He creates... He gets more than what is given to him by the offensive line. A.J. Dillon doesn't do that. He just doesn't. And I don't know why we have to have him on the field. I mean, early on in the season, going into the year, knowing you you don't have a whole lot of talent at the receiver position, it makes sense that you're going to use, you're going to try and make the identity of your football team, these two running backs. But this late in the year... I don't know why Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff would continue to think that's the case because we love the play call of the Pony personnel when we have A.J. and Aaron both on the field at the same time and it's an RPO where Rodgers has the choice of either handing it off to A.J. Dillon or throwing it out wide to Aaron Jones. No matter what we do on that play, and we call that play probably 10 times a game, no matter what choice Aaron Aaron Rodgers makes, it's a two-yard gain at best. Because the defense knows it's coming, they know how to play it, there's been a blueprint on how to defend that play since the Bucks game in Week 3... And we still continue to call that play. We continue to make that play the backbone of our offense for God knows why. And A.J. Dillon, I just, I'm sorry. And, you know, I want him to be so good because he's gone viral a million times for his legs. And everyone loves A.J. Dillon. But I just struggle to see. Griff,
1: the idea of him is exactly what I was talking about. Getting a guy who can run in the cold weather in December. And, like, there's times where he's shown that. But. The lack of consistency has cost us playoff games, and has cost us seasons, and has cost us opportunities in the Super Bowl. And it's just one piece of the puzzle that continues the to cause us to cost, lose in these massive games.
0: The opportunity cost of spending a second round pick on him to get 3.7, he finished the night with 3.7 yards per carry, that's about his average, it, it, the opportunity cost of spending a second round pick on that when you can find a million different versions of A.J. Dillon who will give you exactly that around the NFL every single offseason. I mean, I, yeah, we I don't can't even spend wanna...
1: a second round pick on a receiver for any reason, you know, other than just to make Aaron throw no, to guys that's... like Samori Torre. I
0: mean, that pick have... is up there with the Jordan Love pick, in my opinion. I mean, that was and, just... well, good
1: thing it was in the same draft too, because our, these guys are supposed to be coming into their own, helping this team. Now we're in year three for all these guys, and just. Just finished year three. They're supposed to be coming into their own and contributing and, and being a part of the reason why we have success. Jordan Love is on the bench, and he's going to be traded once Aaron comes back. A.J. Dillon is one of the reasons why we're not operating at the highest of levels on offense, and Josiah DeGuara was our third-round pick in that draft, and he's a nice fullback for us. I mean, this is the problem. <laughs> we Our draft classes from the past several years have not been good enough. We hope that this past draft class in 2022 it will be one that helps make us a better team throughout the course of the next few years. But none of this is going to matter if we don't surround the current group that we have, the core group, with more pieces. And Aaron Rodgers talked about this at the podium. He feels like they are a couple players away from being a Super Bowl contender. Probably a couple players. It's not just one player anymore. When it was with, when we had Devontae Adams, everybody understood that we were about a player away. And we could never find that, and now we're sitting here without Devonte, and and we didn't properly do anything remotely close to executing a plan to fulfill the void that he left, and and now we're just sitting here again with more holes than we had going into the last off season, and and we're in this same boat again where we don't have a ton of money. Not that I, you know, that all is stuff that we don't even need to worry about because they'll find a way if they really want a guy. But we don't have tons of cap space. We don't have any extra draft capital than we normally would. And it's just like we sit here once again as the team that puts themselves in in the best possible position to succeed just enough to satisfy some level of fandom. And we got to a point where we almost made the playoffs and that's going to look nice and whatever. But it's just not good enough. And we have to finally put ourselves in a position to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I don't even know how they can do that with this current group and what we've got going because a lot of our guys that we talked about, Lazard and A.J. Dillon, Lazard's going to be a free agent, but these are guys that the team loves and LaFleur loves and utilizes like they're the star players. I don't know what we can do to fix this team because there's a lot of things wrong with them and i I don't know what even where to start
0: it's certainly going to be a long offseason and there's so many issues to address and so many positions that we need to get better at Uh, this was the worst case scenario ending for this season because if you go back to the philly game after that game we were four and eight i wanted to start jordan love i was ready to tank so we could at least get a top 10 pick And we decide to continue to play Aaron Rodgers because we have a 4% chance at the playoffs or whatever it was. Ended up being for good reason because we lost by four points in a game where if we had won, we would have gone to the playoffs. So it was a good decision to keep playing Aaron and keep trying to win. But ultimately, the season ends with us having a record of eight and nine. And we have the 15th overall pick in the draft right in the middle of the NFL. And (laughs) Just the worst case. scenario, There's nothing good came. Nothing good came out of this season. Nothing good. We and didn't. And it get hurts.
1: A... It hurts even more knowing that we got this far, and then you know you get to that point where we lose by a four point margin in in the game that would send us to the playoffs. And it's just we do this every year, but I mean the, the heartbreak is is the biggest part of it to me. Like you know whether we have the ninth pick or the fifteenth pick, it's like at the end of the day that stuff doesn't matter until draft day really. But the heartbreak of it all is the true. Really, the true thing that hurts the most, and it, you you can't you can't do anything about that. You think other than we
0: get used to it, and it would get a little easier? It never does. I'm on the phone crying, crying like, like a little growth. baby. In never, the fourth quarter, I was I was borderline tears. On ugh, I don't even want to relive it, dude. It, it's so. It's not a it's not a good feeling. It literally makes me question why do I why do I care? Why do I watch this sport every year? Because you know?
1: Griff, we want this we every single year Griff, we and I say this after every single loss, after every single season end, every single thing we think about. I mean, think about 2014 and think about 2016 and think about, you know, 2017 and 2018 and 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and now this year they all will be so i mean just they're just all little parts of what we hope to one day feel again which is that super bowl every single dagger in my heart will be one day irrelevant when you feel that that ultimate joy of that super bowl and it's just that's that's all you can you know that's all you can hope for and i one day i would love to be a part of another Super Bowl championship Packers team because I was I had that glimpse of it when I was a young I was young at that point in 2010 when they won that Super Bowl it was one of my first few years watching this team and you think it's not you don't know how special it really is like you really don't get it and then even even you even the first time you just really don't get it and now after what is this now 12 years I don't even care Twelve years of, of the just the most devastating, the the worst possible. There is no team in the NFL that has had more heartbreak, the most disappointing, devastating, gut wrenching, heartbreaking losses. There is no team that comes even close to what Green Bay has had to go through that ends their season. This generation have had to yeah, go through. This generation, nothing close, not even close. And that makes every, everyone hurts more because it gets worse and worse. And this is, this is another one of those examples how we get to this point where we're on the run and we're going on a run and we're running the table again and here we go. And then it just ends in, in the final moments by a four-point loss to a team that is really, you know, that's the Detroit Lions. So, but I say it every year. Who are playing for nothing. We have to hope. They were playing for nothing and we talked about how that would demoralize them and it just none of that mattered. We're sitting here now and all you can hope for and this is all we do every year is we just hope that when we finally one day get to watch Aaron Rodgers hoist that trophy in the air again you you hope that that lives up to everything that we have gone through from an emotional mental health longest tenure of heartbreak standpoint and that moment that those moments of triumph will be worth it and it's difficult because you don't you never know until it happens but it's just hard to go through in these moments every year it's just difficult and, and you can only hope that 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 triumph will make it all feel
0: worth it you remember when we won week 10 Over the Cowboys in dramatic fashion, and this was after we'd lost five games in a row. I never thought I was gonna smile again, and then we beat the Dallas Cowboys at Lambeau Field. Remember how good that felt? I was the happiest I've been in eight years, I think. I was incredibly happy. I couldn't stop smiling. I wanted to record right away. I was FaceTiming you, I was FaceTiming a bunch of people. That's what it's gonna feel like when we, if we win a Super Bowl, especially with Aaron Rodgers, because it's these years and years and years of playoff heartbreak. It's all going to be worth it, maybe. Maybe not worth it, but it's all going to be made all the better when we finally get to hoist that trophy. God, it's going to feel good. And Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback who is going to get us there. I mean, a lot of people, after the end of every single season, a lot of people are going to sit here and question whether Rodgers should stick around for the next season. (sighs) He should, obviously. I mean, it's not even a question to me. I, I don't care what Jordan Love looked like in the 10 passes he threw against the Eagles. Maybe if we saw a little bit more of him, I mean, maybe you'd have a reason to think that he's the guy that we should be going with over Rodgers, but... Uh, For me, there's no question Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He just won two MVPs back-to-back. He looked good this year. I think, I mean, his stats dropped off big time. And side note, I'm so, I'm so, in a way, I'm happy this season is over because I don't have to sit through another game where the broadcast highlights his stats and talked about how it's the, it's career worst in all these different categories. I'm so sick of that because anyone who's watched a Packers game this year knows that Rodgers is still there. He still has it physically. The stats is a whole different other story of why his stats aren't as good this year. But if you've watched him play quarterback this year, you know he is just as good as he has been these past three seasons. So I have no doubt that he should be the guy if, he, if he's not going to retire, which I don't think he's going to retire, but who knows, if he's not going to retire, he should 100% be the guy moving forward. And if you think it's time to move on from him and move forward with Jordan Love, I don't know what to tell you.
1: I really hate doing this every year, Griff. I mean, I, I hate to have to address this. Just because we lost a game, you know, and, and their season's over, now I have to sit here and defend the guy who really has no reason to even be defended. I do not need to sit here and highlight why Aaron Rodgers will and should be the quarterback for this team. This year, if I, I, he receives more blame than any other quarterback I've ever experienced or been a part of in the NFL. He has had to deal with so much off the field, on the field, from a development standpoint with our players. And just, I, I can't imagine how any person who t- truly thought this thing through this entire season and looked at what we've done and what he did and and watch these games and and look through every throw how you could sit here and question what he has done or or what he will be able to do with this group i sit here and look at the fact that he lost the best receiver that he had ever been a part of playing with and it and now everybody expects him to just what put up the same exact numbers operate the same offense it. it, it he, he lost one of the greatest players in the NFL. And people expect him to carry some kind of operation that is anywhere close to that when we didn't improve the offense whatsoever from a personnel standpoint. I, I can't see how anybody could blame him. And then we look at this game in particular. Everybody's going to say, and this is what happens. You look at one game and you say Rodgers choked. Well, we were moving the ball on offense all throughout the entire game, and what happens? Lazard and A.J. Dillon drop balls on the exact same drive, missed field goal by Crosby. Not that that mattered. It's just another reason why we didn't have points on the board because Crosby has made really great kicks this year for us. But And then Liz, we talked about Lazard, the drop, and and look, Aaron Jones on the first drive last week drops a a ball right in his hands that Rodgers floats. This is just, this is what's happened this year. Drops, miscommunications, things that are outside Aaron Rodgers' control. They cut our one veteran addition, Sammy Watkins, right as we go on this stretch run. Uh, It's just, who could expect Aaron Rodgers to win another MVP with this supporting cast that really didn't come together until five weeks ago and still is not anything special. I mean, we've got Christian Watson who finally came on, but before that, we had nothing downfield. Our fastest players are not fast. I mean, these, these guys are comparably not anywhere close to, and this is before Christian Watson, obviously, not nothing close to what you would want at the NFL level, and no, none of these guys could get open downfield, and we're expecting Rodgers to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Nobody's getting open. Nobody's able to run. Robert Tunyon's coming off an ACL. Romeo Dobbs is one of our faster guys. Randall Cobb is at the age of 30, whatever he's at. And I still think he's a great player, and I want him back. But none of these guys can move downfield. Christian Watson opened that up. It opened our offense up a little bit. Rodgers was able to do some things a little differently. We saw it tonight with the deep ball to Watson at one point. His main targets just are not good. This needs to change, and I don't know what it's going to take for this front office to finally see that we need more weapons, guys that can actually get open, real legitimate NFL threats, and we've needed this since Devontae was here, we needed even more now that he's gone, and we still haven't addressed it. I am not going to sit here and blame Aaron Rodgers in any way for the way that this season has went, and for the way that this game went, because has he played his best football? Certainly not, and this was certainly not the kind of football we needed to get a win, because if he played better, we might have gotten one. But he is hardly the problem, and it's hardly haul on him. And I fully expect him to be back, and I want nothing more than just to, to have him return. Because the only way we're hoisting another Lombardi trophy is with him holding it at the podium at the end of the day. And that's that's really all I have to say, and I really don't even want to address this again.
0: I mean, now that we can talk about this stuff with hindsight, you're going into Roger's age 39 season And look at his supporting cast. I mean, I know Christian broke out, and Christian is a really promising player. And Romeo is a really promising player, too. But he had a drop tonight on a fantastic throw from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my gosh. Look at what Aaron is playing with here, man. How do you, as your quarterback's getting older, into the final years of his illustrious career, I don't understand how you can go go into a season with this mentality and we haven't talked about the receivers in a long time here because we've been winning games and it hasn't really been a problem with Christian Watson's emergence but I don't know how you go into a season with this group of receivers it really doesn't make any sense and think back to March because it's full hindsight mode now It's full hindsight mode so think back to March when we traded Devontae Braun you were in Florida fun fact sitting right here next to me We trade Devontae Adams and we're looking at the current depth chart at the receiver position where we have Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers and Alan Lazard and that's basically it. And we were thinking, well, they're certainly going to sign someone. Julio Jones is going to be a Packer by tomorrow. They're certainly going to draft someone in the first round. They're probably going to draft two players in the first round with both of their picks and someone in the second and third round, maybe. And... We were wrong for thinking that. They traded up and drafted Christian Watson. They drafted Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round, and that's it. They signed Sammy Watkins, and that was a move that no one was really excited about, and it's a move that didn't work out at all. And I don't know how you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and you're trying to get finally get over the hump and win that second Super Bowl. And you go into his age 39 season with this supporting cast. It makes no sense, dude. None of that makes any sense how that could have been the game plan for this year. All you have to do is look at the cap numbers
1: next to those guys' names, and none of them pass over $3 million. And that's how you know. I mean, none of these guys were getting paid anything. And they had no, they'd made no investment into the position whatsoever. I don't want to hear anybody talking about how they made a second-round pick for Christian Watson. That's a great move, obviously, for us, for a future, but this did nothing to help us. We were in a position where we were fighting for our playoff lives in Week 18 against the Detroit Lions because we relied on a rookie, multiple rookies, including Romeo, to be our main contributors, and Alan Lazard to step into a role that he was never once talented enough to fulfill. And you just look at those cap numbers next to those guys' names, and none of them top $3 million, and how can they feel like they address the position? And then people are going to say, well, if Aaron wasn't making $55 million a year, well, you're (laughs) wrong, because he's making $27 million on the cap this year. His cap number is going to be low for the next several years, and nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. And that's that's another issue, right? Like, Aaron has done a lot to put this team in a position to add talent, and they haven't done it. Aaron knows that they haven't done enough there. And then, and then you talk about – just look at the offensive line this year that he had to deal with. They had like maybe 24 different starting offensive lines in the <laughs> 18 games that they – 18 weeks of play that they put up. I mean, David's in and out and in and out and in and out, and they have to swap right tackles every single game, and one week it's Josh, and next week it's, it's Zach Tom, and then they've got Runyon, and Josh Myers sucks, and all these guys just suck, and Elton's <laughs> dealing with the ACL. And then Bill Turner was cut for whatever reason. And I just go back and forth like, what are they thinking? They have no consistency on the offensive line. Then they finally got it. And here we are in week 18 and Matt LaFleur is still trying to figure out who he wants at right tackle by swapping Nyman out and putting in Tom in the middle of the game. Just pathetic. Put Tom in at the beginning of the game. What are they doing? They did this last week. The lack of consistency is a problem and it's it a lot of it is Matt LaFleur's indecisiveness. He has a fear that he's going to I don't know what his he has a fear. He he coaches with fear. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Everything he does, he's afraid to make the wrong decision. And it's cost us. He 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 just he just failed and another one. In the game, early in the game. Aaron Jones looks like he converts a third down. And then we have to go for it because he refuses to challenge which is going to be a difficult challenge, but it's early. If you lose the timeout, it's not going to cost you, right? Even if you lose that challenge, you lose a timeout, and it's early in the in the game. It's not the second half. Challenge that, and then we go for it. That's when we handed it off to Lazard, which was, a like, a, like we talked about, exactly what you want to do on fourth Big down. Big brain move. Exactly. So, again, everything ties back to a – there's no one person. Aaron did not play his best ball this year, but – I look around this organization, and I look around that locker room, and I look at the players and and the coaches and the guys that have had a lot of impact negatively on this football team, and I sit back and say, well, why would I blame the guy who's won four MVPs, who's won us a Super Bowl, who's put us in position every single year to be in contention? Why would I blame him for some of these things that just have nothing to do with him? I don't understand the thought process from anyone doing that.
0: No, in in so many ways tonight was a perfect encapsulation of our season and that I think that that's true in that way as well, because Rogers did not play well tonight. He didn't you know, he didn't rise to the moment. Once again, in one of these games at Lambeau Field, Rogers has the ball late in the game, and we have to punt. Or in this case he throws a pick, an arm punt. And I, I mean we're we're two of the biggest Aaron Rodgers defenders I would say on this uh in, on this great Packers internet space but um I have to say it's it's upsetting that I mean when's the last time Rodgers had a really great fourth quarter moment you know when's the last time the ball was in Aaron Rodgers hands late in a game and we thought we're going to go down and win this football game 2017 against Dallas like, remember, when he did that, that was when it was, like, it was his thing. You don't, any time is too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers. That's not really true anymore. Now, the our three seasons in a row have ended with us down one score late in a playoff game. This was basically a playoff game. And Rodgers just, he, in, he throws up a 50-50 ball to Christian Watson tonight. Last year, he throws it to D- Devontae, who's double-covered. You know, it just, it sucks that he hasn't been able to put together these a great game-winning drives that early on his career he was that was his thing you know he was known for for being the clutch quarterback that everyone wanted to have late in the game and you never wanted to leave any time on the clock with Rodgers across from you and now three years in a row you know even against the Bucks, we had it late in field goal range and he could have ran it in and he throws it to Devontae and it's low and uh, it just sucks it just sucks that he hasn't been able to to rise to the moment I guess
1: if you're talking about these massive playoff like games then I mean yeah it's there's I, I there's really no rhyme or reason as to why but it's it just for some reason we just can't get it done and he can't get it done in these where he has to rise to the occasion I don't know what it is maybe he's maybe that's something he's no longer capable of because some of the just he's a little more limited I'd say like from an athletic standpoint and carrying the team on his back just some the personnel it's tough too I mean like he has to, every play has to have somebody else you know like making a play like he can't just do it all and then he tries to go superhero and and when when we need him to when we're talking about needing needing a big throw late and just you know, I mean, Christian's covered on that ball, right? Everybody, he's locked up there, and he's not getting anything. everyone on the field is, is covered down.
0: on that ball. Everybody's a, covered
1: on that play. They
0: bring heavy pressure, and no one has an. Look, he had separation. half a
1: second. He, he had half a second to throw that ball, and he throws it up to to Christian Watson. And he, look, it's a deep ball. It's high in the air. It gets picked off. Yeah, but he had a few bad balls tonight. Like we, there was throws. Like just again, there's some things I from a from a schematic standpoint. Like I I don't understand. With Aaron Jones, like, he lining him up out wide is is something that— I mean, like, when he's catching balls out near the backfield, near the line of scrimmage, that's one thing, because that's something he excels at. But lining him up out wide and, and putting him at a wide receiver position and then having him run downfield to try to make catches, that has rarely worked. I mean, that has rarely worked for us, and they seem to do it in big games quite a bit, and it has failed us in a lot of ways. And, and Rodgers made bad throws there but Jones does not run routes. Like, he's not a route runner. Like, it's a problem. Like, putting him out there to try to run routes and make plays. Rodgers throws him this ball, and it's a missed throw, clearly, but he did this twice. And the safety, Kirby Joseph both times, who has picked Rodgers off more times than we can count at this point. He picked him off three times tonight,
0: two times in the last matchup. What is with Aaron? I've never seen anything like it with a player like that on defense who Rodgers just cannot stop throwing the ball to. Kirby Joseph, he dropped a pick, he had a pick called back for penalty, and then he had the game-ending pick, which ended up being the game-ending pick. I've never seen Aaron have that kind of, like, kryptonite in a defender before. It's so strange. Five total should-be interceptions this year for Kirby Joseph. What, what, What happened?
1: What is with that, dude? And both of those were on the plays I was just talking about. He dropped one earlier in the game. Aaron Jones up the right sideline. He tries to throw him a ball, and it's and it's about to be a touchdown. Kirby Joseph undercuts it, and it, and Aaron Jones just doesn't have that ball sense. Like clearly, the ball is is something that he's gonna have to go up and get, but instead he's like fading away, like let, trying to let the ball come to him, and it's a ball that a he's to a lot like Allen go in Miami. Allen is Allen has a beautiful knack for just not putting effort into making catches. Uh, in those, he just, he, he wants the ball to fall in his lap at all times, and Aaron, not, not, not that Aaron Jones does that, but Aaron on this particular play had that ball hoping that it was just going to fall into his lap as he tumbles into the end zone, but that's a ball he has to go up and get, and instead he turns his body, faces up, starts fading backward, hoping it's going to land him, land in his chest as he, as he falls into the end zone, but instead Joseph undercuts it and picks, almost picks it off. Then later in the game, Similar play. Jones is running up the sideline. Rodgers has to put it on him, bottom line. But instead, Jonesy is running, but he starts to slow down, and the ball is in the air, and Rodgers is thinking he's going to start running and try to get, get a deeper angle on it. And instead, it gets picked off. It was called back. But it's just another one of those things. Like, I don't know why. It, nothing ever good happens, basically, is my point. When they put Aaron Jones out wide and we throw the ball to him deep, It just had. I don't. The one time that where he he it felt like he caught a pass and did something with it was in the San Fran playoff game last year. But we remember he should have scored on the play, but instead didn't end up scoring, and that was part of the whole thing. Like that led to a blocked field goal. Exactly. So I just we haven't seen enough from him doing things like a wide receiver to be putting him out there and making. And he's he's supposed to be one of our top receivers. Like it's just it's just a silly decision. He's our running back. Like that's our problem. We're putting guys in positions to to make plays that they can't make. Alan Lazard taking handoffs and just he's not he's not a good player. He's <laughs> not a good player. We keep talking about Lazard, and I hate to do it. I I, don't, I hope people don't hate me for continuously talking about Lazard, but he, his lack of impact is one of the main reasons why this team didn't succeed. Whether that's Brian Gudikun's fault, I'm not blaming Alan himself mostly because. Nobody asked him to be the wide receiver one. Nobody expected him to be be the wide receiver one previous years. Matt LaFleur, you can only use what you're given, right? But, like, the utilization of them in particular is just so poor. And this is the problem with this team. And I I don't know what to think because can we win with Matt LaFleur as our head coach? I don't know.
0: A lot of layers to that question. Um, I haven't given up on LaFleur yet. I think he's a good coach. Um he does feel like a Madden-like creator coach, you know, like a default, vanilla, placeholder coach. I I don't know how he leads. I don't know what he's like in a locker room. Ugh. I've only seen him talk at press conferences, and he's never really felt like a guy who would be a great. I mean, this is a player-led team. This is a players' locker room. This is the leaders on this team are the players. So I don't know That's what, what he, he always needs talks to be about. doing.
1: I mean, look, just look at the Lions for example Dan Campbell leading that football group to a, a win after they got eliminated from the playoffs an hour prior to this game they beat us supposedly the red hot team the team that's got everything in front of them our destiny is in our hands we control our fate they go and beat us and they have absolutely no reason to do it other than just the hatred for our team but here we are Dan Campbell got his group ready to play and we went out there and played like garbage. We, made, we committed turnovers. <laughs> we're dropping passes. We're doing everything we've done in the red zone all year long, failing to score, which was something we used to be so good at. And Matt LaFleur looks like the basic vanilla play caller that he's been all year. And the la- I, don't, I don't understand the game plan. Going into this game, deciding to do all this lateral movement as opposed to more downfield stuff in the middle of the field. The lateral movement was that's much more tonight, man. The I guess a guy like Hutchinson, too. All this stuff in the face of their best player, Hutchinson. You can't name, from an average fan standpoint, you can't name any other guys on that defense than some of these top guys we talk about, like Hutchinson, and some of the guys they got up front, like McNeil. But everything we were doing was right in their face, right to the side of McNeil, right to the side of Hutchinson. And it, it makes no sense. I don't know what the game plan thought process was, but you know they're vulnerable in the secondary. And look, we don't have the greatest personnel out there, as I speak about on a consistent basis, but certainly that's something I thought we would look to challenge, and we did not do it. It makes no sense. And I'm sick and tired of the lateral movement when we're supposed to be an offense that has to get the ball downfield. We've got Christian Watson. We made one completion to him. That was a deep, deep shot. We need more. We need more. We need better personnel. We need better play calling. I again, I'll go back to what we did in Minnesota. I thought that was very unique and creative. We did a lot of great things in the running game, the passing game, the play action. In this game, it was all stale. It looked like we've stuff we've done in 2020 and 2021 with guys that aren't as talented and aren't as good. And it, I just and the lateral stuff, I will never understand the game plan from this game. Matt Lafleur talked. He said he said the moving the moving offensive line that in that moving game. He said it just didn't play well, which I've never really. You know, heard him say without watching tape that he just thought that the, the offensive line didn't play well in the run game. He just thought, and he said, "I he just they didn't play well."
0: But part of a it, lot too of is like, a, a lot, lot of whiffed, whiffed blocks tonight. A lot of whiff blocks. But that's a good defensive front with
1: guy, With that young Hutchinson, he is a real deal player. Like he is a legit player. You know that he's a problem, and they did nothing to try to figure that one out. But I don't. I don't understand the game plan, and I, I'm not going to. But part of it is the personnel the jumbling offensive line, changing our offensive line every single game. We're never going to have the same five in a single game, it, it appears. I mean, just all of this wrapped into one. You can look at a million reasons why we lost this game, why our season's over. Trying to outline all of them is going to be hard. We, we try, but again, I, I, I pull all this back to the fact that I don't see how we could all sit here and blame Aaron Rodgers for this and, and give him all the the sole blame and make him the, even giving him the most blame, just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, I can't sit here and do it.
0: We definitely came into tonight wanting to run the ball. Um, we finished the night with 28 rushing attempts. Rodgers only threw the ball 27 times. It's not counting the two sacks, but we wanted to run the ball tonight, definitely. And the offensive line just did not play well enough. Um, What sucks is that you have guys like John Runyon on the interior and Josh Myers, too, especially Josh Myers, who they look really good in pass protection. They are some of the best pass protecting interior offensive linemen in the NFL. They are really strong in the pass protection uh, part of their jobs. But in the run game, Josh Myers, especially John Runyon as well. They struggle. They really, really struggle, man. So does Zach Tom. Zach Tom looks like a great young pass protector. He struggles in the run game. Elton whiffed on a couple blocks tonight. David has never been strong suited in the run game. That's what sucks because we build this team.
1: David played one heck of a game, I thought, tonight. And yeah, but uh, he's a, a
0: he's another player who is much stronger right. in pass protection oh, than course. in the run. That's and that's, game. And uh, that's what that's sucks when, that's when, when you go miss into a guys. season.
1: That's when you start to miss guys like Bill Turner who who were much better in the run game and were much better athletically at being able to move around and make some of those move blocks, but and, and look, even and you can date back to some of these other guys like TJ Lang who was such a force in the run game. And you just go through the list of guys that we don't long we no longer have, we let walk, we can't find guys that can replace and, and then that goes back to Devontae. And it's just we can't find these replacement guys for right. guys we thought would play well in the cold and, and guys that just we don't have these same players that were staples in Green Bay anymore. We can't find replacements. And the more years that go by, the more holes in those spots that we have, and they continuously are never filled. And when Aaron Rodgers eventually leaves, the quarterback position will fall into that same category. And I'm afraid with this current leadership and the current management, we're going to be stuck in a bad, bad spot because it's going to be another one of those positions that we can't seem to fill the void.
0: As I was saying on the offensive line, I mean, we don't have those guys like TJ Lang and Josh Sitton anymore. We don't have the road graders up front. We got, we've got we gotten younger on the offensive line with Runyon and Myers and now Tom and Elton's still pretty young. And what sucks is that they're really good in pass protection, but they I, I don't know if they, they're good enough starters in the run game because i think they're that bad at times josh myers is terrible in the run game terrible 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 i i haven't seen more whiff blocks from a center in green bay since jake hansen for a few snaps earlier this year i mean he's <laughs> it's been a long time He struggles, time. In, yeah he struggles in the run game man and we come into this season with no receivers okay But we have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and we draft Josiah Deguara in the third round, and we drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. The mentality from the front office looked like we were preparing to be a run-first team, and eventually, you know, years ago, the thought process was probably when we move off of Rodgers and love is starting, we're going to be a run-first team, and it's going to be Matt LaFleur's offense that is going to try and emulate the Kyle Shanahan offense in San Francisco. And we go into this year thinking... The running game is going to be our identity. These two running backs, they're going to be our, our identity because they're two of the best 11 players we have on offense. But what sucks is when that doesn't work because our interior offensive line cannot move people in the run game for most of the most of this season. It's just, there's so many reasons this season did not work out. And the, the poor run blocking from the interior offensive line is a major, major problem. And it's
1: one of many, Griff, isn't it? It's just one of yeah. many major problems. And these problems, some of them are on the field. Some of them are in the locker room. Some of them are well above my pay grade, your pay grade, which is (laughs) zero dollars. They are well above our heads, aren't they, Griff? And those are in some of those front office situations that we look at. And I just sit here and, man, it just hurts. It hurts as a fan because – and it hurts us, I think, even more so than than these guys in the front office because we have no control – these guys can make changes and they, they get to choose. And at the end of the day, you, you live with the results when you can control some of these things. But we sit here and we talk about what needs to be done and what we want to see and what's going wrong. But all we can do is sit here and talk. And at the end of the day, all our, our, our words won't matter if they fall on deaf ears, Griff. And, and that's the problem. We're, we're sitting here and there's nothing we Are can do. Are you saying
0: Brian's not
1: listening to our show? Brian listens, but he's not really—he's not really taking what we have to say into account, and I know that for a fact. That Brian listens, which—no, I'm kidding. But I would—maybe he is. Li- <laughs> we always do this when we talk. Hey, well, Brian, if you are listening,
0: but no, Brian, <laughs>
1: Brian, Brian's not listening, but he certainly should. I—I I just wish there was—there was things. I—I I feel like there are things that, if I had the opportunity to address, it's a lot easier said than done, but. There are just things that it would be a lot easier to stomach losses like this if I knew I had put everything I thought and implemented everything I wanted. And that's, that's why I think it's tougher on the fans, and nobody thinks about that really. And uh, I, I can't speak for the players' standpoint, but, again, they're making millions and millions of dollars to do this, and we, we pay. And oftentimes we pay to do what we do, and we or just to be a fan. You pay for merchandise, and you pay to go to games, and it just, it hurts a lot, so I, I do want to empathize with every fan out there that that is hurting like I am, and, and like Griff is, and it is a lot, um, it's difficult, and look, it's, I, I say this over and over again, it's, it it all has to mean something even more, it's going to be so worth it when we finally, and I truly believe we will win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I truly do. And when that does happen, and hopefully it's next year because these get tougher every year, but when that happens, it will be so worth it. And you'll look back and think of it all as part of that journey that we got to this point, and now we're sitting here and and we're we're Super Bowl champions. And one day I want to be able to say that we will be once again.
0: Look, there is no worse feeling than... There's no worse anxiety than the Lions getting that 14-yard play on the lateral I talked about earlier from Amon Rod St. Brown to DeAndre Swift and setting up a third and three at the Green Bay 17. And that play leads into the two-minute warning. That two-minute warning, that, that's the worst anxiety you can feel as a human being, I'm pretty sure. Braun, if you remember, we were, on, we were on FaceTime during this commercial break. I was breaking down, verge of tears. I'm acting like a baby. Like, it feels like... I'm watching my mother die. Like, it's third and three. Oh my god, they just need one play. I have no faith in this defense. We do stop them from getting a first down. I had forgotten about the fact that you're allowed to go for it on fourth down in the NFL. And so that sets a, they get a two-yard gain. Jamal Williams setting up a fourth and one from the Green Bay 15. I I thought it came down to one more play. It's fourth and one, then I'm like, oh my god, they might go for this. I'm screaming, jumping around in my room, screaming, please kick it, please kick it, please kick it, knowing damn well they're not going to kick it. They're going to go for it. And they do go for it. And that, that right there, I said the previous play was the worst anxiety you can feel as a human being. I lied. This is the worst anxiety you can feel as a human being. It's fourth and one. They need one yard. And you just have no faith in your team. And then you watch Jared Goff complete a wide open pass to dj chark and then you're watching rasul and amos yell at each other with their arms up and it doesn't matter because they just ended your season and you're looking around for a flag and there's no flag and you break down and it feels like your life just ended in a way it feels like a part of your life was just taken from you and something a, a part of your life that means so much to you the green bay packers I'm, I'm not just a fan, and I, I think I speak for a lot of people. If you're listening to the show, I assume you're probably a hardcore fan of the Green Bay Packers, and you, they, they're a significant part of your life. Like, they are mine, and like they are yours, Braun. And they mean so much to you, and we care so much. And every year in these, these playoff games or these playoff-like games, when we lose, it's just the worst feeling in the world. And it's really, it, we say it you know jokingly most of the time what do i do with my life but it's true it's literally what do i do with my life what do i look forward to now what do i care about the draft i i don't care the 15 overall i don't i'm not thinking about prospects i'm how am i going to sit here and watch playoff football for the next 5 weeks i don't care i don't care who wins the super bowl i don't care about anything our season's over, we're not going to get to watch this team play football, we don't get to watch Rodgers play football until September, like, and then we have to do this all over again, just for another lottery ticket, like, it sucks, it's a terrible, terrible feeling, terrible feeling, and it literally, I say this, I said this last year, definitely, and I'm kind of joking, but I'm being honest, it makes me question, why do I watch this sport? Why am I a fan? What am I getting out of this? I've it, I've been a fan, you know, not very long since 2014. What is that? Eight years. Eight years now, where I've put my heart and soul into these seasons, into these Packers teams, and all every single season, it has ended with me devastated. Griff, a lot of
1: fans like feel the way that we both feel right now, which is just like the. It's a lot. It is so hard to even just put into words, but it, and it, it it sucks too, because like you, you care about it so much. And really, like I said, one thing, there's nothing we can do. There's no control. We have no control. You know, as much as I would love to have that, you have no control over anything that goes on on the field, the process of the personnel, the, the management, none of it. We have nothing. And all we can do, all we do is cover the team, Griff, you and I. All these fans can do, we watch. They consume the content that we put out. They watch the games. They root for us. And it's just so painful because there's nothing we can do. It's like that's all – there's nothing we can do more than just watch and and that's it. I mean, all you can do is watch and and hope the outcome falls in our favor. And if it doesn't, you live with the results, you know. And and that's the worst part of it is like we – do this, you know, we, we do this at, maybe, we're, we're as, just as obsessed as, as the guys, that the players that spend all week practicing for the game on Sunday, and, and the, the personnel staff that spends
0: We're not posting we're, memes on our story after the game, so maybe we care a little bit more. Right, Griff, we're, we're just as obsessed
1: at the, as these guys that are in the personnel staff that are preparing for the draft as we speak right now, you know, not maybe not right now, but you know, this during this playoff time. Uh, that's going to be coming up they're going to be focusing on the draft and then they're scouting guys and like we we're, we care just as much and it's just a different type of care but we also get less respect because we don't do it at that high level currently right like and it's just like we're we're not in the building and whatever but we we get that same if not worse feeling and there's nothing we can do about it because we don't have that same impact that we wish we did and i have goals and aspirations personally but Right now, there is no, there's no control, so all we do is just sit and watch and hope, and believe, and we did that all year long. And I believed in this team, and I knew we could get back to this position. And I said, "Look, this is going to be hard, but I know we can get in this spot." I outlined the, the outcomes, and every you know it's difficult. You get to this spot after all the help that we got, and you win four straight games, and you just need to beat one one more win. You need to get against a team, the Detroit Lions, you feel good about those chances. It doesn't happen. It's tough. It really hurts, and all you can do is just sit here and hope that we do the right things this offseason, that we put ourselves in the right position, and we start winning games at the right time, and we get hot, and we get a team that can go out there and, and win this tournament that gets a little harder every year because... One year they're adding a new week to the season. One year they're adding another playoff team. One year they're gonna add another week to the season, and they have one another. They add another bye week. They take away a preseason game. It, it's all. It all comes together in, in some of the worst ways for us, and, and we just have to. We have to find a way one of these years, because I am getting sick and tired of the pain.
0: I am sick and tired of the conversation, the constant conversation around the status of the Packers defensive coordinator, whoever that may be in any given year. And that conversation has continued this season. And now that the season is over and we can speak in hindsight, Joe Barry is, he's got to be out the door, right? I mean, he had his
1: chance to come back. That was, that's all that's over with to me. I mean, the, the fact that they, just Maybe they didn't play their worst game, but certainly not not good enough, and we didn't make the playoffs. But they played
0: well for a lot of tonight. They played certainly. well for a lot of the game. Um, Jared Goff helped them out with some terrible passes, but they played well, I thought. You know, they held the Lions to 20 points, but when we needed them most in that final stretch, we, we get the holding call even, to set up a second and 17, yeah. and no matter how great that play call was on the lateral to DeAndre Swift, the fact of the matter is, They had a 2nd and 17 from the 31 that's, you know, on the borderline of field goal range. The game is winnable at that point. It's before the 2-minute warning. The game is winnable at that point. And they give up a first down. And that is just kind of, it's the story of the season, you know. The defense, they've been good, but we expected them to be great. And a great defense... Um, Keeps us in this game and gets Aaron Rodgers the ball back at the end of that one. And a great defense also just plays better throughout the entire season. And probably we end up winning more than eight games with a better defense. And this defense, oh my god, Quay Walker, I forgot about that, dude. Quay Walker. Are you kidding me, Quay? We have to touch on this just because it was the most boneheaded play. It was the most, most boneheaded moment I've seen all season long. Someone goes down on the Lions' side. of. DeAndre Swift went down. Medical staff is gathered around him. Great week to do it, too, right? Medical staff is gathered around DeAndre Swift. Someone kind of, like, moves Quay aside because Quay is, like, peering in the huddle. And a a, a trainer from the Lions' sideline comes in and kind of, like, touches Quay to get in there. And Quay then pushes him. And it's a 15-yard penalty. Quay gets ejected and he's crying and it's this is the second time now that he's been ejected for shoving a a non-player or you know, whatever a, a person who's not suited up to play that night in this case it was a medical trainer from the Lions' sideline and he gets ejected that's twice i've never seen that in my life someone getting ejected he's the only twice player, in a Griff. season
1: he's the only player in the last 15 years to be ejected twice in a single season that's hard to, to do he's the only man. player He's certainly the only player in NFL history to shove a non-suited-up player twice in a season. I mean, that's look. It's just another one of those reasons why we are not Super Bowl champions and why we're not going to the playoffs. It's just like your first-round linebacker shoving guys that are in street clothes is a problem. I don't know how to solve that one. I mean, that's just like that's (laughs) that is a problem. That's not a football problem. Like that's just like what is that even? Like this is the stuff that happens to this football team, and the, the reason. I mean, that certainly didn't cost us the game, but it didn't help us, obviously. And this no, happened, that was and, when the spool happen? of
0: threads started to unravel. That was it. That's like when we lost all our momentum. It felt like.
1: Man, it felt like that was one of the reasons why we sucked in the other weeks. When he did that, that was a big loss. Whenever he, I don't even remember what week he did that. Don't tell me. That I was week care. eight
0: against Buffalo, and what did we I just lost say? Devondre shortly after that, and it was yeah. a mess. I did just say, don't
1: tell me, so thanks anyway. But I, I, I'm i sick of talking about these losses, Griff, I have to tell you. But in any event, uh, yeah, that, that sucked. You know, that was another reason why we lost that game. That was another reason why we didn't win this game. And, yeah, and just as every Packers season, there's something stupid. And here's another one where our, our player, our starting first-round pick, <laughs> is shoving guys that don't play. So that's great. <laughs> And and Matt Lafleur, oh, I'm so sick of it. But he's telling him, "Be smart, be smart. Shut up, Matt. It's over. What do you? I mean, what, be smart. Like, thanks. I don't know. Like, what is he supposed to do with that? What do I? What do you do with that? He's already going to get ejected. This is the second. He, he should have put this to bed. I mean, when that happened the first time, you'd think it would never happen again. Clearly, Matt Lafleur didn't do enough, and clearly Quay just a complete lapse in judgment. If this was any other player, he'd be cut. I don't know if he'll be cut because he's a first-round pick, but they've cut guys for much less. Doing that twice in a season, that's something they'd cut a guy for. Absolutely. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think he'll be cut, but I'm just, what a season. What a total epic failure of a season.
0: (laughs) I have to say, yelling, be smart from the sideline after that, isn't that such a Madden moment? That's such a, you get a penalty in Madden, and then it cuts to your default coach yelling, be smart on the sideline. Feels like something that oh, would happen Matt.
1: in a seventh grade basketball game when your kid throws it out of bounds <laughs> on accident or something. Just it's like it, it it doesn't feel like something that should be happening in an NFL game.
0: No, I mean that's crazy. It's crazy, but the defense overall, we have to talk about them. Not enough. It, it Griff, not they,
1: enough. Not good enough. Just
0: not enough. Simple. Simple as that. Not enough. And
1: that's from a look. And we the reason this defense got better is because guys like Jaron Reed. Guys like Darnell Savage, who had phenomenal—I fina- thought both those guys played well tonight, and they've been playing well in the last down the stretch. Darnell had his coming-out game after he was benched, and he's been playing well tonight. I thought he played some really good ball, but then there was times where he didn't play well enough. Well, there was one play where he jogged as Amonra St. Brown shifted. He motioned from the right to the left and then back to the right, and Darnell was basically walking with him, and Amonra is running. And he gets open on a third down and converts. And it's just like, I mean, like, like, it's inexplicable stuff. Is that coaching? Is that Darnell? Because he had a good game, but then there's little plays like that. And it's just like, there's been an uptick in play from guys, I feel like Rasul, Jair certainly last week, and he wasn't really, a, you didn't hear his name much tonight, so that was that's probably a good sign. Go I don't know if watch. he got targeted tonight.
0: Didn't
1: even, I, don't, I didn't see him get targeted when he made a couple tackles and things like that. The safety play, I thought, was pretty bad, obviously, tonight. But that's something that had been better the past several weeks. Pass rush wasn't good enough tonight uh, up front. The linebacker play it wasn't good enough either. Devondre not playing well enough. But again, I mean, there's plays where um, Adrian Amos is lined up against Amon Ra, and it's just like, well, that's going to be a problem. And then Amos is on the ground as Amon Ra converts the first down. It's like, I... I don't know what the solution is, but it's probably going to have to not include Joe Barry just because they need a fresh start. The personnel was too good for this to be the case, and it's almost too little too late, I'd say, for him, even though like he may have put things together against the Vikings last week. Losing this game, to me, eliminated any op- any possibility that he could uh, return. Just too little too late, and they need to find somebody that can better utilize these guys.
0: The improvement we've seen from the defense these last few weeks, this winning streak, has been largely only because of turnovers. You know, they've still given up a lot of yardage. It's just been the turnovers. They some what was it like nine turnovers over the past four games or something like that. I mean, that's something that's out of Joe Barry's control for the most part. Turnovers are very noisy. They're not very predictive. They're very they come in bunches, as they say, because they're quite random. Fumbles are quite random. And they got um, Drew tonight. Were no tur- Yeah, zero turnovers tonight, and I feel like if we had gotten a couple turnovers like we have these past four weeks, we'd probably score more points offensively, we'd probably win this ball game, but the turnovers vanished tonight because, and this is a defense where if you're not getting the turnovers, then you're giving up yardage, and eventually you're giving up points, and the Lions, they ran the ball really well tonight, they dominated the trenches, I have to say I'm very impressed with the Lions' offensive line, they just completely uh, Kenny Clark was a non-factor on a lot of plays. Great, great game just, from
1: that group. That's just, that's a really strong group that they have in Detroit there with that offensive line. To shut us down like the way they did was impressive for sure.
0: Yep and I mean the defense man it's just what more can you say? Just not enough. Just boneheaded mistakes. Adrian Amos continues to be a problem in pass coverage. Uh, I assume at, at some point in the coming weeks, we're going to go through a bunch of these players like Amos who are going to be free agents and the front office is going to have to make decisions on. We're going to go through all those guys and talk about whether we think they should be coming back. But Adrian Amos is a guy, Ron, that I think we're both in agreement is probably not going to be wearing green and yellow next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're going to do a show probably. I, I would say Griff, we can probably go through every player and just do a cut, keep, extend kind of thing. You know, look at every player and see and evaluate their season I, I think that's something we need to do that's something the Packers will do Matt LaFleur will do that Mike McCarthy used to do the end of the season meetings and meet with every single player and and have those uh exit meetings if you will and and that maybe that's something we should look into doing and, and maybe we'll do that next week after we get through uh we'll do another show this coming week and in the next couple days we'll we'll do a show where we take your voicemails and emails and We'll go through them for another therapy session. But this was kind of our therapy session where we kind of let you know our feelings and then we'll address everybody else's feelings, all the fans out there, because we're going to get a lot uh, of discussion and a lot of people wanting to get their voices heard. So um, just again, though, to maybe close this, and I'll let you finish with your remarks as well. But I certainly, nobody wanted this. Nobody expected us to be in this position, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, still hurts more than anything and to get this far makes it hurt even more you know there's no to me there's not a scenario where you feel like well at least they did this or at least they did that congratulations I'm proud of this team it's never enough unless you come away with the Super Bowl championship and that's the standard in Green Bay no and
0: we didn't even make the playoffs it'd be one thing if we lost in the first round of the playoffs but we didn't even make the playoffs this is the same
1: to not finish the job is the most disappointing part really so I I do want to say though I I I will I I empathize with everybody out there and I obviously we have our own feelings and and our own disappointments but uh, we continue to try to bear some of that that you know the, that pain uh, and again we're gonna go through in this this coming show will be a big part of of the healing process and that, people people think this is dramatic people think whatever but this is a reality I mean this is severe pain and severe hurt from these games and it's it's totally fair I, I never want people to feel bad about really being disappointed by this team because it is a it, it's a real thing to have all this time and invested in, and hope and belief in something and love for something and to see it not come to fruition is painful and and there's no shame in that whatsoever so I do want to mention that and then I just to close with again I want to reiterate our desire to see a Super Bowl and in hoping, that all these moments, continuously, because now we've done this for four years, this is four years of disappointment, four podcast episodes of pure sadness, but I will say that the more of these we do, the more confident I do feel that one day we will be in a position where I hope it's Aaron Rodgers holding that Lombardi trophy once again and, and to have that kind of, you know, looking at the one in 2010 and, and getting to see it hopefully in the in the next year or so, I, I would love to get that. And, and I truly do hope and believe that we will.
0: That's what we're all hoping for, right? That's what we're all uh, dreaming of. It's what we all want to see at the end of the day. And hopefully this was not the last snap of Rogers career. Hopefully, you know, we say that we're, we're certain he's going to come back, but we can never be a hundred percent certain. Aaron's a complicated fella. As Mark Murphy once famously said, um, we don't know for sure. So this, hopefully this wasn't his last throw as a Packer ending in an interception. Um, Hopefully he's going to be back, which I think Braun and I, both of us, think that he will be. So this was a good show. I mean, nothing... Nothing is ever going to help with the healing process more than just the shared trauma, you know, just knowing that, Ron, just knowing that you are feeling everything that I'm feeling right now, just knowing that there are millions of Packer fans across the world who feel this way right now, and hopefully listening to this helped you um, as a listener heal you know, with us and listening to Bron and I feel everything that you're going through. Hopefully that helped you. And that's what the point of these shows are. That's what, that's why we do them, you know? Nothing is going to make the annual heartbreak any easier, but knowing that there are other people who feel the same way that you do, that, that's usually what always helps me, you know? So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, It's been a great season. I think this has been our best season of the podcast so far. Um, It sucks that this is how it ended, but... We move on, and as people say, there's always next year. It's true. There is always next year, so we'll be back next season. We'll be back later this week to uh, get your voicemails in. If you want to leave a voicemail, we ask for them on the Instagram stories. We've It's been like an hour, and we've already gotten a handful. So if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call the number 920-430-0711. If you would like to email us, you can email us at todayintitletown at gmail.com, and we'll be going through those on the next podcast, which will be out later this week. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun one. A little therapy session on your end um, after hearing us give our therapy sessions, <laughs> um, so that's gonna be fun, thank you so much for listening, thank you so much for sticking around this season, um, if you'd like to leave a review, you can rate the show five stars on Spotify and iTunes, you can leave a review on iTunes, you can send us feedback on Instagram, and follow us on Instagram as well, at Today in you can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers, and that's everything, uh, it hurts man, it really does hurt, but as always, Go Petco. Go. Thank you
1: everyone for a great season. Um that ended very, very sour. But we do appreciate everyone who listens loyally, everybody who listens every week. Uh it means a lot to both of us and we are not going anywhere. We will be doing these continuously as we approach the different uh key points of the off season and as the next season approaches. This is painful. Um but thank you everybody. <laughs> it's, and- it's-
0: that's really painful right there
1: I don't I hate I hate this I really do every part of it every fiber of my being every bone in my body hates the things I just talked about off season but um thank you for listening forever and always through all the ups and downs and the downs and some of those downs as well go pack go